The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, and we are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas. Big D here, big double D (laughs) on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. The population in Dallas has grown in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. That's why we're kind of joking about the the whole D thing, right, Jerry? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) How you doing? Oh, sorry. I'm trying to get a little lunch in there. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, what meeting you, the uh, Caesar salad. Oh, I've nice. got some uh, Gatorade here. Trying not to pass out. I'm a little bit lightheaded, so yeah. I'm going to be clutching the console, and we're going to do this thing. All right. Let's do it. Well, I just had a, a Sun Warrior. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think which one. Of the, it's the new uh, energy uh, protein drink that's got the MCTs in it and all that. I just had that, and I did a workout. I did uh, planks. With 15-pound weights in each hands and did three sets of three with... You were uh, holding on to weights while you were planking? Yes, and pulling them up and doing, like, working out my chest and my back and getting everything strong. Get on down with your bad (laughs) self there, (laughs) She-Ra. And then, uh, so I did, like, four sets of of 15 of the planks. Uh, Actually, uh, one of them was 12. Um, The first one was 12. Uh, They're hard to do, especially with weights. Um, And I haven't done planking in a while, so... Uh, but I, I got it. I got it. I got it going on. I got it back going on. Excellent. <laughs> With my squats, and so I'm feeling very energetic. And I'm always, uh, always uh, lo- loving having Von, Dr. Von England on the show. He's a regular for a very long time on One Life Radio, and he's on today. Doctor, Doctor Von, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I actually want to comment on this planking thing because I, uh, I have a herniated <laughs> disc in my back, and oh. planks are like key to like helping out like that core, those core muscles. So uh, yeah. definitely, definitely. But but yeah, pleasure to be on the show. Pleasure to be yeah. on the show. Yeah. So do you plank? Ah, uh, you know what? I guess or can't you? I, I just found this. Uh, well, I can't right now. I'll say I'll be honest with you, but I have this program called Core Balance Training, and I'm uh-huh. you know I've been working out. I've been working out for years. Yeah, um, of I've been athletic. I played college ball, everything, and I am finally learning about my core. Isn't that a shame? Yeah. Um, but it is a but well, yeah, better night than never. Point. Well, you know, I was actually in North Park right before I went to Chicago because I was trying to fair, find a pair of black boots on sale. Make a long story short, I did find a pair. And at the store that I was in, I was talking to the guy about, uh, it was actually four people. It was three women and a guy, and they worked at this one store. Um, and... Um, Anyway, we started talking about One Life Radio, and he went to our Instagram page or somewhere, and he goes, oh, you have Von Eaglin on your show? And I said, yeah. I said, How do, you, do you know him? Are you friends with him? He said, he used to play, he used to play football. And I said, with the NFL? And because and, I think nothing, I didn't <laughs> think that you, I knew you played ball, okay, football. Um, but, uh, and I knew, I, I knew you played, uh, you know, uh, I, I, th- I knew you played big, you know, wh- whatever you want to call college. To me, college ball is the big time, right? That's, that's big boy with, ball, yeah. That's big boy ball, along with the NFL. But, I, but he got so excited when he knew that you were on the show. So he might be listening right now. 
Um, really cool. Really, yeah. really cool. So good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Well, hopefully, yeah. um, whatever we talk about is impressionable <laughs> and hope has a positive impact on them. You know. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know. Uh, well, let me just tell everyone now, what we're yeah. talking about. I'm yeah, not sure. Here. We'll see. Yeah. I, I know we've touched on this subject before, I think, with uh, Kip Watson, actually, um, when we were talking about uh, doing a show on pornography, okay? Um, and so uh, how the two are related, I'm going to let you, as the professional, you're the shrink here, tell us if indeed that is or is not. But the topic today is what is ethical non-monogamy. Um, but before we get into it, I want to officially uh, read your bio because you're a doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> You're you are a doctor, but I'm seeing here that they, we didn't we, that hasn't been at, it says a, a Dr. Vaughn is a licensed professional counselor. That's outdated, right? But you're a Preston. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, correct. So it's a, yeah. uh, I'm a, well, I am a licensed professional counselor and supervisor. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I do a few other things in the community as well. So, yeah. And I didn't know that you were a mental health consultant for the uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm on, yeah, so I'm on the mental uh, mental health consultant team, and so uh, nice. counseling, you know, player staff, you know, th- things of that nature. So that's awesome. I didn't know that, yeah. but you, but you know, you see a wide range of clients. You do, including couples, individuals, and families. Uh, your specialties mm-hmm. include men's issues, anger management, athletes, adolescents, young adults, abuse, depression, anxiety, and multicultural clients, just to name a few. Uh, and you most recently taught child uh, psychopathology as an adjunct professor at SMU, that Southern Methodist University, and Dr. Eaglin's research focused. Uh, on developing a new approach to couple relationship dynamics. I don't know any couple that couldn't uh, benefit uh, from uh, therapy, right? I think it's almost yeah, so- it's almost something that you must do before you marry now in order to uh, at least try to ensure that you're going to have a long-term marriage if, indeed, you are going to have children. I think that's very important. Would you agree? Well, well honestly, I do believe that... Uh- some type of communication training should be a prerequisite to getting married, but that's mm-hmm. my personal opinion because a lot of people get married um, and don't have a certain skill set. Of course, you know, that the majority of people, uh, well, not, not the majority, uh, but about half of our marriages end. Um, but, yeah, it does take a certain skill set in order to navigate through a marriage or just a long-term relationship successfully. So. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the lyrics to a Jackson Brown song. Uh, the the title eludes me, but basically, it's a, the, the the lyrics are "I win, you win, we lose." Um, so yeah, a lot of people they want to be right, and and in the end, then they, they both lose. They end up losing the relationship because they both want to be right. That's not healthy, is it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. In fact, um, when we talk about couples counseling, I believe statistically, I want to say I'm quoting this correctly, but about. Most couples do not come to couples counseling until about six to seven years after they originally originally should have gone to couples counseling. And yeah. so it's almost like you uh, you have these issues, you walk around on it, um, you are hurt in a sense, and you never go to the doctor. And then, you know, after you've been hurt and traumatized or shot, you know what I mean, seven years later, you say, hey, come, doc, come fix me. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so honestly, if you can be proactive with couples counseling or just really learning the skill set of how to have a healthy relationship, um, not only with yourself, but with your partner, then it could definitely benefit you. Well, what a great segue to uh, ethical non-monogamy. I personally think uh, that you cannot have a successful relationship in an ethical non-monogamous relationship. But we're going to talk about it, so let's 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 define it first. So, Dr. Vaughn, what is ethical non-monogamy, or ENM? Yeah, so when we talk about ENM, that acronym for ethical non-monogamy, it's the practice of taking 
pretty much a romantic relationship and it not being exclusively between two people. Um, some people define it as an open relationship, um, but when we talk about ethical non-monogamy, remember that term ethical because that means that there's consensuality involved. So we agree upon something, and mm-hmm. although we have an open relationship, the expectations are out on the table, and we understand what's going on in our relationship. And so um, that's really what ethical non-monogamy boils down yeah. to. Well, I have to say, something just popped into my head from my past that I didn't really think was ethical non-monogamy, but I guess it is because I dated this guy, um, and I was crazy about him, okay? And he was dating another girl in a different state, but he, uh, we, we met at work. Um, I worked for Family Court. He was an attorney um, for Family uh, Services. And anyway, um, anyway, but... So I was okay because I didn't want to get into a serious relationship, but I did enjoy his company, and he was so funny. And um, But he had a girlfriend in Chicago. Now, I knew about her, but I don't know if she knew about me. Make a long story short, I met somebody else and actually married him. I moved here to Dallas, and, uh, and we never continued our relationship. Uh, but So I guess you could say that that's ethical non-monogamy if she knew, right? Um, well, hmm. I, I would say yes. Okay. <laughs> so, if she did, if she did not know that you're correct, that would violate the principle of ethical non-monogamy because um, ethical non-monogamy involves no deception. And uh, one of the people within this, uh, I guess you could say, this uh, situationship, uh, who did not know, they were, you know, they could have been deceived. Again, I don't know if he lied through omission or not. Uh, mm. However, uh, that you know, if she did know about it and she was okay with it, then that could be classified as ethical non-monogamy. So. I don't think he did. I mean, I don't think she did. I think he was just playing the field and having fun like a lot of guys do under this umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. That's how I feel about it. And I think, I mean, women probably do it, too. I think it's more of a man thing. Maybe it's become more of a woman thing, but uh, it's definitely a thing. And I heard it's very big here in Dallas. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm to ask you this question live on air, Bernadette, and hopefully okay, it's not go ahead. Revealing, but what no, made go ahead. you okay with What made you okay with being with him? Uh, even though you knew he had someone else, because I just enjoy- I enjoyed his company um, so much, and I thought eventually I'll win the game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you know, you, okay. you know, I'm going to make it so much okay. fun for you that you're going to forget about that girl in Chicago. <laughs> ah, yes. interesting, interesting. Wow. If I'm being thank honest, you, thank, yeah. Yeah, thank, and, thank you for that disclosure. I appreciate it. And, and I'm not a jealous type. I, I will get jealous if somebody gives me a reason get, to get jealous. Yeah, I mean, I think any woman would. I mean, nobody, uh, nobody wants to be cheated on. Uh, or even disrespected, and it is a form of disrespect. And I read this whole article uh, to prepare for the show. Uh, it was in Psychology Today, too, written by a Ph.D. like yourself, Deborah Annapole, about uh, polyamory and sex addiction. And because I was trying to see if there was an association between, like what I said at the beginning of the show, uh, you know, porn addiction or sex addiction or watching. I don't know at what point porn becomes an addiction, but I do think that porn plays a role in the social acceptance or um, experimentation, if you will, in ethical non-monogamy or E-N-M. Would you, what do you think about that? Yeah, this is this is getting to it. I don't know if you want to go on break, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to break yeah, porn down quite yeah. a bit. Let's go mm-hmm. to break. Let's go to break, and we'll just tease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Everybody stay. Yeah, we're going to talk about porn when you yeah. get back. Okay, so Dr. Von Eaglin, yeah. what is ethical non-monogamy? Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. 
If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> hey, everyone. I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotics. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the Advanced Care, her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Dr. Von Eaglin. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Uh, we are with Dr. Von Eaglin. He is a licensed professional counselor and supervisor at Preston Place uh, Counseling in Dallas, Texas, and serves on the mental health consultant team for the Dallas Mavericks. He sees a wide range of uh, clients, including couples, individuals, and families. He most recently taught child psychopathology as an adjunct professor at SMU at Southern Methodist University. Uh, Dr. England's research focuses on developing a new approach to couple relationships, a relationship dynamics. You can find him at VonTalksTherapy.com. That's VonTalksTherapy.com or follow him on Instagram at Dr. Von Talks. So that's D-R period Von Talks. Okay, we're talking about what is ethical non-monogamy. Right before the, uh, the break, we were going to talk about the connection perhaps of pornography and ethical non-monogamy. What do you say, Dr. Vaughn? Yeah, so um, so there are different types of sex. And when we talk about pornography, pornography is something that is uh, progressive. So a lot of times we call it the four A's of pornography. In other words, there are it's an, there's anonymity to it. Like no one has to know that again you're gonna uh, engage in porn. You can you heard me say this before. Hey, you know what? I can take my phone, go to the bathroom, uh, rub one out, or have a have a good time with myself. Come back to office and not even really? like, no one knows the wild. Like, <laughs> but again, there's, there's anonymity to it. You know what I mean? And so uh, from that standpoint, there's also you know it's affordable. Uh, that's the other A. It is aggressive. In other words, what you start out with, the dopaminergic effects inside of your in other words, the release of dopamine, it will get attached to certain images and certain things that you look at whenever you ejaculate or have an orgasm. Whatever you're looking at, what you're, what you're thinking about, that will become a neurosynaptic pattern inside of mm -hmm. your mind. In other words, whatever fires, wires. And so from that standpoint, whatever you're looking at, it will start to, you will start to develop a taste for it. And then after you develop a taste for it, you're going to have to graduate. In other words, you're going to have to up the ante because that thing sometimes may no longer 
satisfy you. And so mm-hmm. that's when you see people start developing fetishes and things of that nature. So, mm-hmm. so when we talk about porn um, and it not being sex, um, or at least the kind of sex that I look at, porn is really based around a man's masturbatory experience. In other words, it's made for men to masturbate to. And uh, the advent of porn and the, um, the I guess, the, uh, the exponential growth of it has been around a lot of times this, around this man's masturbatory experience. So let me give you a couple of stats about porn. And this is from, I want to say like Pornhub. This, I did this research maybe about, mm, about five or six years ago. But mm-hmm. back then, Pornhub had about like 96 billion hits to the website. Um, And so it was enough to cover every man, woman, uh, boy and girl on earth for, I think, 13 to 14 times. And when you look at what people search for on porn, so in other words, it has inundated our society. Uh, When you look at what most people search for is the word love. So in other words, whenever they're looking for what love is, they're going to porn sites to figure out, okay, this is what love is, which kind of changes the paradigm of what people think of as sex. And so they are starting to believe that personal sex is impersonal sex. And Mm -hmm. those are big, those are very two distinct things. So I want to differentiate that for you just for a moment. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep track of all this. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. No, I'll make it, I'll make it really, I'll make it really simple. So you have two types of sex, impersonal sex and then personal sex, but impersonal Uh sex is really, really 82 people can put body parts together and move. That's really what sex is. I'm not trying to be crap. You can have sex with your phone. Basically, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, that's impersonal. But, <laughs> I don't. That doesn't sound healthy to me. I'm just saying. So, just the EMFs so, alone, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not judging anybody who has impersonal sex. I'm not I, either. I'm not. In, in my day, I've engaged in quite a bit of it. You know what I mean? But here's the thing about it: impersonal <laughs> sex. There, there, <laughs> there's a disconnection, though. You're probably going to feel empty as soon as you finish ejaculating or uh, mm-hmm. having an orgasm. But mm-hmm. as soon as you finish being with that person, it's unsatisfactory. Now, you may have a physical satisfaction. You know, um, however, at the end of the day, it's kind of like masturbation. So you don't have to say goodbye to, you know, to yourself after you finish masturbating. You do have to say goodbye to your partner after you finish having sex with them. And so impersonal sex is kind of like mutual masturbation with your partner. And mm-hmm. personal sex is not just about connecting your genitals. It is about connecting your mind as well as your heart. And mm-hmm. um, that is very different. That's what we, you know, as a counselor, what I would like to move couples toward in terms of if they're in a monogamous relationship. Now, mm-hmm. Today we're talking about ethical non-monogamy. Can people have personal sex and ethical non-monogamous relationships? I would have to say yes. But when we talk about porn, um, if, you, if you're questioning whether you have problems with porn, you need to question whether you're being antisocial, you're not engaging with other people, you're keeping your porn watching a secret, um, if it's interfering with your sex life, or if you start thinking all sex should be like porn, mm-hmm. because sex really, you know, real sex isn't like that. Because in porn, you know, women are waiting. They're, you know, they're, hey, I just want to, you know, serve you, so on and so forth. It's a business. Exactly. It's a business. Oh, I mean, and, and, it, and it's really, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know. First of all, there's, I mean. Well, there's so many, uh, so many avenues we could go down with this, uh, and uh, you know, it's synonymous with the business, with the porn business, um, and prostitution and everything. These are these are women that have been victimized, and that's why they're in that business. I only, I, I actually knew a porn star once, and she had eight children, and she was just, a, she was an amazing woman. She got into it to, uh, she had eight children, and her husband left her, and. Um, you know, uh, and, and I have to say, she, she raised some pretty good kids. And so there's no judgment here coming from me. But I do think that pornography as an industry is very destructive um, because when you look behind the scenes, you see broken women. 
and men everywhere, right? And it's a business. And so, you know, they're going to compete with one another. And this girl's going to, you know, make her boobs this big to, to, to satisfy the guy that wants the super big boobs. And, this, and, this, and I mean, I could go on and on about this, um, but just stuff that I know from just, you know, reading and stories that people have told me about going so far as to, um, and I, gosh, I, I don't even know if I should say this on the air. It's too bad that we're not doing a podcast, like just a straight podcast that we, and we may do this on, on this show, uh, actually, um, on this particular topic, because there's so many things that, I mean, who goes around with, uh, I don't know if I should say it with a, how do I say this without, um, it sounding dirty. Um, (laughs) that's all right. I'm hovering over the dump button. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, well, I'm not going to swear, but, I mean, I've heard stories uh, of of um, very famous women, okay, famous for their boobs and their butts, and I think you know the girls I'm talking about, begins with a K, yep. um, mm-hmm. and that went so far as to um, uh, bleach their anus, okay? What right? Oh, yeah, what? That, was, that, was a, that, was a, that was a thing back uh, about a couple of years ago. I think right yeah. before COVID, you know, that people are I mean, so famous and they influence so many people that when I mean, they started doing that, the people were like, how oh, crazy yeah, is that? And if your husband yeah. or your boyfriend is expecting you to do it, it's like, oh, come on, man. I, I mean, who? What, I, I don't like know. And like I, like I said, we like it clean, Bernadette. You got to keep it clean. I, down listen, there, you know? listen, I'm I just joking. think that's carrying it so far. <laughs> Like, so to such extremes for women. I mean, what do we have to do next? Do backward flips and, uh, you know, and I, I mean, it's just, and, and, and it, I don't know. It's just, there's so much to talk so, well, about. Well, yeah. So for me, I think I want, I want, I want to make sure that we have a balanced view. Um, yeah, that, I do too. You know, because, because, you know, that's not everyone's story. And some people, like, there are women that I've you've talked to, met you, even watched the documentaries that they are actually empowered by that. I use my body to make money, and I'm okay with that. Like, they yeah, literally and, feel you know fine what? doing that. But then, there, but you're right, there are people who are stuck into the industry that they have very tragic stories too. So, yeah. Well, and if I want to be a freak, to, this is the words from a Salt and Pepper song. If I want to be a freak on the weekend or whatever, you can actually play it, Jerry, if you can pull it up over the break. Um, it's none of your business, and it isn't anybody's business, and everybody has a right to their privacy. But I think when, when people are being harmed in an industry or, the, or they, the, the people that work in that industry are harmed individuals and, and people are making money, lots of money off of it, I don't know. It just doesn't settle right with me and not from a yeah, judgmental yeah. way, just from, an, a, and from a humanitarian uh, perspective. I just don't think it's healthy for, for anyone. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I'm not a guy either. Yeah, yeah, I think men, yeah. men have a, a – I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have one. So I don't know. Well, to your, <laughs> well, to your, to your, well, to your, to your point, um, I don't think pornography should be exploitative. When that happens, and because there's so much money involved, that it has become exploitative. And but you know, honestly, you have people that are logging. What's that platform that you know? Um, was it friends only? Not what is it? What do you call it? Um, I don't where know. people make money off of it. Um, oh, the mystery. Oh, OnlyFans. Not OnlyFans. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, as you can see, I don't visit. Um, not that but, I um, would know. So, what it is. Of course, you wouldn't know it, Jerry. So, um, <laughs> so the um, so again, that's something where people, you know, you can create your own content, and you have people subscribe to you, and you know, some people actually have reported feeling empowered by that. You know, like I can get, I can get, I have some control over this. And I think if you're in a situation where there's porn and you don't have control, you're being exploited. Of course, that would not be a mm-hmm. good thing. Yeah. Um, but as an industry, um, what it has done, and this kind of leads and bleeds over into the ethical non-monogamy, is that it has 
inflated the appetite that people have for looking mm-hmm. at and engaging in sex, as well yeah. as decreasing the idea that there are consequences to the, uh, for sex, the emotional consequences, the physiological consequences, mm-hmm. the, the, the mental, like, again, there are a lot of consequences when it comes to having impersonal sex, um, but not everybody um, looks at it the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, that's my personal opinion, but yeah. yeah, but when it comes to ethical non-monogamy, again, some people would like to have more sex or explore their sexuality because, again, they may have been looking at some porn stuff and they want to see, see that outside of their relationship, too. So, so there yeah. is a link. Um, it's not a very concrete link, I would say. But, yeah, from an abstract standpoint, you can say that, you know what, people may be more likely to engage in sex outside of a relationship simply because they're looking at more porn, want to exp- experiment, explore, understand more about their sexuality. Yeah, there's so much to talk about this. I was thinking of, uh, what is that? I, this, I don't know if this is correct or not, but Dolly Madison, it's some website where it encourages people, to basically married men, to cheat. Is that, am, am I right about that? Do you know what I'm talking about, you guys? No? <laughs> well, I'm not no. sure about that one, but there, there are plenty of websites out there like that. In fact, some that are designed to help people uh, cheat, you know what I mean? So if you're yeah. going on an affair, but you don't oh, yeah. want to your relationship. Uh, uh, what you is know, it, I mean, Madison? Um, something Madison. Something Madison, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's uh, the mystery, what's his name, that wrote the book about the mystery method, about basically how to uh, manipulate women. I mean, there's just so much junk out there. We all need to have personal connection. That's what makes you happy. We're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Von Eaglin and Jerry Caldwell <laughs> right after the break. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. What's the matter with your life? Why you gotta mess with mine? Don't keep sweating what I do, cause I'm gonna be just fine. Check it out. If I wanna take a guy home with me tonight, it's none of your business. Wanna be a freaking sell it on a weekend. None of your business. Oh my gosh. Welcome back, everyone. To One Life Radio. Oh, my gosh. That's such a... You know, my, my daughter made a dance playlist for me uh, and then sent it to me, and that was one of the songs that she sent me. So I was bopping around the house to that last weekend. But it's true. Whatever anybody wants to do with their life, if they're not hurting others, it's none of your business, right? But I do think pornography does hurt other people, and that's why I personally uh, feel that it, it's, not a, it's not a healthy industry to be in for any man or woman. But having said that, we are back. <laughs> <laughs> and we are broadcasting Love live. Salt and 
I love salt and pepper too. And that's such a really great song. But uh, we're broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk with Dr. Von Eaglin. Our subject is what is ethical non-monogamy? Okay, so I read, uh, Von, Dr. Von, that one in five people engage in non-monogamous relationships at some point in their lives. Von, why do people choose them? Yeah, so, well, ethical non-monogamy can take on a lot of different ways. Um, uh, Well, many different ways, I'll say that. And so it's not just about having a sexual connection with other people because ethical non-monogamy can just only, well, pretty much only include romantic connections. Now, it can include both. But when you say one in five people engage in ethical non-monogamy, and that's really oftentimes they're doing a few things. One, they may be exploring their sexuality because, you know, just like, you know, we talked about porn a second ago, but if someone, let's say you haven't had a lot of sexual partners or let's say that you have had a lot of sexual partners, just wherever you're at sexually, that oftentimes people will use ethical non-monogamy to go explore something outside of the relationship. Again, right. it doesn't have to necessarily be sex. It could just be about an emotional connection mm-hmm. with someone else, or it could be a romantic connection with someone else. It could be, hey, I want to find safety or something. You know, it could be a lot of different reasons. However, you know, exploring sexuality typically is one of the ones. Um, oftentimes, the relationship, now, number two, I would say that some people engage in ethical non-monogamy because they believe that the relationship they are currently in is not meeting all of their needs and expectations. And mm-hmm. so they have this idea, this paradigm shift that, you know what, I can't get all my needs out of one person, so I'm just going to spread the love around. Other people will meet these other needs. You know, just like how you have a friend, I can identify with this friend because they're very principled. This friend is very abstract. This friend, I can, you know, I, I can talk about, you know, uh, parenting with this friend. I can talk about, you know, what it means to be like a man with this friend. I, again, so there are different friends for you that may have different roles inside of your life. And for these people, again, it's like, you know what, this person has a role of sex. This person has a role of my romantic partner. You know what, this person has a role of meeting my emotional needs. This person has a role of this. And so um, – and they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, so at the end of the day, they have this belief that you're capable of loving more than one person oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Not everybody believes that. Um, but they believe that, hey, you know what, at least on average, you know, you can you can love more than one person and that's okay. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. I have a very open mind, um, but I, I personally would not want to be in a relationship like that. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. And I don't I think that everyone out there listening, for the most part, at the end of the day, they really just want a solid, loving relationship. Yeah, sex sex can get boring if you're with the same person for years and years. But, you know, you got to figure it out, especially if you've got children involved, because this is very damaging. And by the way, I don't know anyone that's ever that's ever participated in this type of sexual activity or relationship that it didn't end the relationship, because I feel it's very unnatural where a lot of people would say, no, it's very natural. It might be natural for men to want to spread their seed, but it is not natural for women. That's what I think. Ooh, Bernadette, you know my stat right here. It was like more women are cheating nowadays than men. Well, that's because so. they're trying to get it back. They're trying to, oh, they're trying to, they, they're just not trying to get back. But they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're tired of, they're tired of a lot of, a lot of things that have been status quo for years. You know, men have been, well, ter- they just are, and they're more powerful now. They're more educated. They're not sitting home changing diapers and mopping floors all day long. You know, they're out so, there in the workforce getting themselves educated and that's a good thing because it teaches children women especially how to be strong and if a man leaves you that you're not going to fall to pieces and just fall on the floor and cry (laughs) (laughs) i I would say say this um women in general 
there's been a sexual revolution for women, though. I mean, you don't. Yes. I mean, you may agree, you may not agree, but there, you know, from my standpoint, women are able to explore their sexuality in ways that they could not do in the past. Kind of like to your point, they're not at home, they're not, you know, waiting for their husband to bring home the bacon or anything like that. Like they right. have more education, more money, more access, more autonomy, more freedom, more independence, and along with that comes this freedom of exploring someone's sexuality. Yeah. Now, is there a double standard? Is there biasness? Is there some, you know, stereotype along with that? You know, women shouldn't be doing that. You know. But oftentimes you see women going out and exploring parts of their sexuality in ways that they have previously not done. Um, There are some causal effects from a societal standpoint, of course, but, um, you know, um, it's not... I would say, for women mm-hmm. to go out and cheat on their relationships or to go explore their sexuality um, mm-hmm. or to, you know, be a little bit more okay with non-monogamous relationships. Yeah. I'm not getting into male dynamics right here, but there are some women who are okay with sharing an alpha male than being with a beta male. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, hopefully that makes sense. So I would I would prefer to have a portion of this guy because I see him as worth or valuable um, or having a lot of worth or value as opposed to being with someone who I don't see that they, you know, that I don't hold them in high regard. Mm-hmm. So, again, everybody's different. These are just Everybody some is different. And we learn yeah. uh, through uh, exploration and uh, different circumstances. Uh, you know, I uh, – oh, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to share something, but I think I'll wait. Otherwise, it'll be too overwhelming when I go off the air and go, why did I do that? <laughs> maybe on a maybe on a podcast where, you know, we, it's not out on the whole terrestrial, you it's know. It's called uh, radiotherapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're in the right place with Dr. Vaughn. So, hey, you know, if you want to throw it out there, feel free to. Well, um, but, yeah, we can also do a podcast after I, it, too. I, just, I will say this. Okay, so, um, you know, um, it, that exploration can leave you feeling very empty. It just, I, I, it, that has been my experience. It, it can leave you feeling very, very empty and disrespected. And I don't think that's a good feeling for anyone. I'm just leaving it at that. And I, I actually wrote a song about it. Um, and I'm not even going to tell you the name of the song on the air. I'll tell you privately, but then maybe you'll get it. But, um, and, and I actually uh, think that prostitution is necessary. Uh, and I think it should be legal. I do, like it is in Europe, because it serves a purpose. If you think about um, somebody who's, very, very lonely and never, and maybe, um, I don't know, gosh, I'm digging a hole here, but let me just say that there are a lot of lonely people out there and there are people that need, uh, and if they have to pay for it, because you're going to pay for it one way or another, right? <laughs> okay, I'm really digging a hole here. <laughs> so, let so, me switch well, gears. <laughs> So, so when you say you're going to pay for it, again, from my standpoint, everyone has different experiences uh, to your point about whether prostitution should be legal or not. Um, of course, I say, you know, it should not be exploitative. And if that does empower the sexual worker, again, it's just a job for them. For them. Now, you may be disgusted by it, or other people may be disgusted. Or I feel like, why, why would someone do that to themselves? But um, for them... Again, it's a job. I use my body to make money, and that's all it is. And so I go yeah. home to my kids, and I have a family, and, I, and I'm trying to get educated and I have other lives. I'm like, but, there are people, too. Um, however, but do you think you – know, but, can, but can you can you really – and I've had this conversation. I, we've I, You know, I, I, not a lot, but I had a conversation with somebody once who said this, that there's no way that you can participate, par- participate in that type of activity and come home and be normal, at least for days. It's like you're covered with a – uh, I don't even know what you want to call it uh, because it, yeah, it, yeah. it's not a judgmental yeah. thing. It's just like you, if you're a part, if you are participating in something very dark, you can't within a matter of minutes 
Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and not all of it is dark, but there are aspects right. of it that are dark. And I just don't think you can wash it away um, when you walk through the door. It leaves a residual well, on you mentally and emotionally. Well, I, I, yeah, I would, I would probably even make the case for, um, for that is um, – that's, I mean, honestly, I believe that's present in a lot of jobs. If I have somebody who's a trauma surgeon and they see people come in with gunshot wounds and a stab and everything, you know, or you are EMT or you're in my position as a counselor, you know, I mean, I've, I've had clients who have committed suicide. I mean, that's going to leave some residue. You're right. And so you can't always compartmentalize that, but yeah. um, you're going to have, res- everyone's going to have residue from their job. Even if you don't hate your, uh, even right. if you hate your supervisor, you're going to come yeah. home and be upset or, you know, so, so there is residue. I can't necessarily say that it is as much or worse or, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. I mean, intuitively I can kind of say that, like, no, no, this is, you yeah. know, but I can't say that, like it's like that for everybody. You know, some people, mm-hmm. um, again, it is literally just a job. I make money doing that, yeah. and, you know, and I've done it so much that it's normal. It's, I'm, I'm desensitized to it in a sense. Well, so, prostit- um, yeah. Yeah, prostitution comes in a lot of different forms. You know, I won't go into yeah. that, but you know, at least they're upfront about it, what they really want and what they're giving you, and it's a it's a business transaction. Yeah, and I do yeah, think yeah, you go to yeah, yeah. You go to Amsterdam. You know, you just hey hey, you know what? I'm just I'm going down the street. I want that yeah. one. You go in the place, and I'm gonna put a condom on you. We do this. We do the transaction, and go on about your day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know, it's just like this is is literally. That's that's what it is. Just a transaction. It transaction. is a physical transaction with a with some money involved, and yeah, you go on about your day. So yeah, impersonal. Um, and and, and in some, in some ways personal though, if someone's really looking for just someone to give them a hug, you know, seriously, or just that skin on skin contact. Um, they actually have that, uh, in Japan, you can hire, uh, cuddlers, professional cuddlers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. You can hire somebody to come to your house and cuddle with you. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. And so no judgment here, but, um, you know, um, oh gosh, I'm looking at the clock. We, we, I'll, I'll get this question out and then we'll go to break. So how would someone practice a relationship like this in a way that is safe and fulfilling? Vaughn, is it possible? Yeah. So really, and I've had clients in, you know, uh, polyamorous relationships and it really requires a lot of safeness and openness. And before embarking on a journey, you need to really understand that there's going to be a paradigm shift and you need to really do the cost benefit analysis about how you're going to handle things, the minutia of everyday life trust within your relationship because that's a foundational piece. Again, it comes in many different forms inside of a relationship. You need to discuss expectations. And lastly, I would say you need to be really open to reevaluating and revisiting these expectations, these values, because if at one point it does not work for one partner, um, again, we need to discuss that. And again, it needs to be consensual and ethical. That's the whole goal of non-monogamous, excuse me, uh, these E-N-M relationships, ethical Mm -hmm. non-monogamous relationships. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to go for another break. We are just going straight through this hour very quickly. We'll be right back. More coming up with Dr. Von Eaglin. Uh, you can find him at vontalkstherapy.com or on Instagram at Dr. Von Talks. Uh, and use the period, DR period, Von Talks. We'll be right back. You're listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and The Better Future Coming, 
by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Love that song. Oh my gosh. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Dr. Von Eaglin. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We are talking about what is ethical non-monogamy with Dr. Von Eaglin, uh, who you can find at vontalkstherapy.com. Uh, if I don't have time to announce it again at the end of the show or on Instagram, at Dr. Von Talks with a period after DR. And, uh, Dr. So, Von Talks would be a great name for your talk show, by the way. I Oh, yeah. <laughs> Midday television talk oh, show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the idea, man. I think I'm going to I'm going to keep it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we could even do a podcast uh, uh, on the OneLifeRadio.com, a special. We're gonna, actually going to start doing that with uh, with Autumn Connolly. I hadn't officially announced it yet, but I will now. Uh, we're going to start just having girl talk late at night, um, and we're going to call it Two Chicks and a Fish, which was the, originally the name. <laughs> Okay. Is the fish rather opinionated? Uh, I'm gonna, you know, you can Is make the fish whatever you want. You can make the fish whatever you want. But yeah, two chicks and a fish, and we're going to start. We're actually going to do our first recording in the next couple of weeks here. Um, but yeah, maybe we could record one as well, um, Vaughn, and put that on the website. But this is a very big subject, and a lot of people participate in this more now than ever, I think. Would you agree with that? Dr. Mm-hmm. Vaughn? Yeah, so it, it is definitely becoming a more popular topic as people move to more, I guess, and again, they start dating multiple people at the same time. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, as people, more and more people lose their minds. You know, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. I mean, I have a very open mind about it, but I don't think it's healthy, and I do not think that you should participate in this if there's children involved. That's where I draw the line. If you're raising children, I don't think this is a healthy environment because as you, we, we talked about earlier, when you participate in this type of uh, 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 thing, uh, you have a residual that you carry around with you, especially if you're doing it like every other weekend or when, however often you're doing it, once a week, twice a week, I don't know. But um, I don't actually know anyone that participates in it. Having said that, so this is just based on, you know, just information I hear from other people. But so, you know, um, we talked about how someone would practice in a relationship uh, in, this, in this way that is safe and fulfilling, but how can you possibly uh, have a romantic relationship with someone who is intimate with another person or persons? Sex is pretty darn intimate, Dr. Vaughn, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. So kind of like we talked about, there are different types of sex. And I mean, not all sex is intimate, you know, so I just want to be very clear about that. In fact, some sex can be uh, downright, I mean, just not good at all. I'll say it like that. So um, to your point, though, um, you know, when someone engages in ethical non-monogamy, oftentimes, you know, again, they have to have very clear boundaries. They need to understand what the expectations are. They need to really have a consensual idea of what 
the relationship means. In other words, ethical non-monogamy implies that cheating um, is not a part of the relationship and there's there's no deception. So like we talked about before, there's a lot of uh, trust, a certain degree of trust um, that you have to have in a relationship uh, in order for it to, to, to work really well. I would probably even submit the idea that people have to have a higher degree of conscientiousness because that's going to be necessary. Um, in other words, you're going to have to consider your partner a lot because it takes a lot of um, communication for those relationships to work. And to your point about children, I mean, I can have somebody who's in a relationship like this and they keep, let's say I have a client who's a parent and they smoke weed on the side or something like that. Mm-hmm. They keep that, they keep that from their child because they don't want the child exposed to it. Just like a, a parent who looks at porn doesn't want the child exposed to it, even though they may actually engage in the behavior. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can have a partner on the side, but they call that a metamorph. So it's like, kind of like your husband's boyfriend. So in other words, if, kind of like that relationship you were in, if that woman knew that her partner was dating you, then that would make you the metamor in the relationship. In other mm-hmm. words, that is my partner's lover, my lover's lover. Mm-hmm. And so um, when children are involved, what I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that it will, that if they're exposed to it, it can definitely have an effect on them because it will influence how they see society and what they see as normal. Um, mm-hmm. All families reach a stage of equilibrium and what they see as normal, even if it's dysfunctional, um, so what that means is that, you know, whatever paradigm they grow up in, the environment, they're going to potentially look at that as, oh, this is what this is what should be happening or this is what normal or this is what normal looks like. And so um, so from that standpoint, you have to consider what do you want your children exposed to? You know, um, is yeah. this healthy? Is this something that's going to affect them long term? You, you need to really do the cost benefit analysis there um, mm-hmm. because it can potentially have some detrimental effects. But again, that, that's not across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my opinion on it. Yeah. Marijuana should be legal, too. <laughs> you know, it should. Yeah. It was legal for years and years, and then it got monopolized, you know, and I mean, it's just like, and so many people are in prison because of it that don't belong there. I mean, seriously, Uh, cigars, cigarettes, and alcohol are everywhere, and they're legal, and they destroy more lives, but marijuana is not. How does that make sense? And it's and it's legal in Washington D.C. and the capital, uh, not the capital, (laughs) in Washington. Well, yeah, the capital. (laughs) You know, it was. How does that make sense even, you know? And so, I mean, that we, we don't want to go off into that, but what separates, uh, Dr. Vaughn, what separates, and you kind of already answered this, but what separates ethical non-monogamy from cheating? Doesn't it just boil down to manipulation for sexual pleasure, pleasure possibly even emotional abuse at times? Yeah, so, um, well, when you talk about, you know, um, ethical non-monogamy um, versus like, well, I'll say it like this. To me, it's kind of like an oxymoron. So when you say, well, some people say ethical non-monogamy is consensual cheating. And to me, consensual means that we're all in, you know, we're on the same page. Cheating implies that, hey, I'm being deceptive. So consensual cheating and ethical non-monogamy, to me, are not synonymous terms. And so whenever you consent to something, that means that you're fully aware. I'm like signing a contract. You're fully aware of what you're agreeing to. I've read mm-hmm. what's expected of me. I've read what the requirements are. I've read what I'm, you know, uh, my rights and privileges. And so you agree to what is going to, going to happen mm-hmm. in a relationship. Yeah, and but, cheating, but sometimes, yeah. 
Sorry? Yep, but sometimes mm-hmm. a, a woman, especially, let's just use a woman, for example, because I, I know people this has actually happened to, where they're in a marriage, okay, and they have a couple of kids, and so the guy wants to fool around, he might be bored, he might want, you know, he doesn't, maybe not attracted to his wife while he's preg- while she's pregnant, um, or whatever it may be, and he decides to, you know, broach the subject of ethical non-monogamy with his wife, and she may feel inclined to save the marriage to participate in it, because she doesn't want the family to be broken up. I know someone this actually happened to, and I'm sure it's happened many, many times before. And so, you know, she went along with it, but she was not happy about it. It was very destructive to her emotionally. And and the, and as I said, and the marriage ended up uh, breaking up because of it. Um, and so well, is... You know, you know, no, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. So, well, well that, that idea of the concept of fairness, so this kind of goes into John Gottman's theory about... Um, power structures or dominant structures within relationships. And dominant structures have a place. They serve a, place, a purpose in a relationship. You know, if one person is more dominant than the other, that's okay, as long as both people see it as fair. Now, if she was coerced into it, again, exploited, if she was um, influenced um, and she really, or if she had someone, if she's someone who has difficulty with boundaries, like she's too highly agreeable, then she agreed to something that she was uncomfortable with. Therefore, she probably has some bitterness and resentment and is angry. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe not all those feelings, but she definitely is disappointed that, you know, that she's in that situation. Now, or she, uh, but she didn't guy. know what she, mm-hmm. but she didn't. Maybe she didn't know what it was going to feel like until you experience it. It's, it's no different that than being right. on a roller coaster. You know, you don't know what right. it feels and, like till you do it. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, like you really need to do the cost benefit analysis. Like, there's a story. It was on uh, the Pivot podcast, it was an athletic podcast. It's three former football players. They interviewed Kevin Hart. He talked about this. He said, "Hey, what do you think about open relationships?" And he said. He, he talked about another comedian. He said, man, this other comedian had an open relationship. He wanted to get at this woman. He said, man, I really want to have sex with her. But he said, I'm okay with the other guy having sex with my wife. However, mm. um, he... Oh, that's a whole saw, other thing. Yeah, I, no, he saw, oh, my gosh. This, this, guy, this guy went to town on his wife, and he said, I couldn't look at her the same after that. You know, sweat porn, whatever whatever yep. happened in that you know that situation. But and, after that happened, I couldn't look at my girlfriend the same after I saw her be, you know... After, and what kind of... That did that to her, you know, so... Um, so again, everybody's different though. I've had relationships that come in my office and they're both okay. Marital relationships with kids. And Hey, you know what? They're, they're okay with ethical non-monogamous relationships. Um, typically they have the one penis rule, um, which is the one, what one, did you say penis? The one penis penis rule sometimes applies to some open relationships where, you know, the guy can go have sex with women. The woman can go have sex have sex with women, but they don't want the woman or the wife or in in a heterosexual relationship to go have sex with other men. And so there's only one penis is being shared among partners. In, in a mm. so, well, and I have a theory that I think men that want that want to watch their um, uh, their wife or their girlfriend, uh, you know, have sex with another man. Why would he want to see another man's penis unless he might be um, bisexual or homosexual? <laughs> So, well, again, it, it, it I'm just saying, what, I, I mean, that's again, they can have the argument that I want to see my wife enjoy themselves or the, what if the wife was whatever. About it? Hey, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you satisfy me. I would like to be with you. You know, you never know in these relationships. Bernie. Dead, you know, I can't, uh, and I pe- can't, so many. Yeah, we're going to have to do a podcast after the broadcast about this because there's so much I want to say that I really can't say on the air. I don't you know, I'm a pretty straight shooter. No pun intended. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then there's that. Okay, all right. I need to wrap this up and shut up. I just need to shut up. <laughs> what do you think? All right, <laughs> Jerry, are you still there? Or did you faint? No, I'm here. <laughs> okay. All right, eating is Caesar salad, and I'm gonna go. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get some stuff done around this house. So I'm going to wrap up. (laughs) Uh, You get one body. You get one mind. You get one life. Dr. Von Eaglin, thank you so much. What a great show. I'll talk to you later, alligator. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Take care. You can find Dr. Von at VonTalksTherapy.com or Instagram at Dr. Period Von Talks. All right. Everybody have a fantastic day. Be a thinker, not a stinker. 